Hey everyone, welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Every episode is a journey where I take you to explore crime, forensics, and historical cases. Join me as I inform, educate, and entertain true crime enthusiasts through criminal justice and dark history tours. My name is Judith A. Yates, and I'm an award-winning author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Now, grab your crime scene kits, notebooks, and hats, and join me on this investigation. The date is 2013. The place is Moberly, Missouri. Your mission is to learn how both angels and devils walk the earth and decide, why don't we stand up for the angels? This is When an Angel Met the Devil on Easter Sunday, Part 2 of 2. Let's recap. 92-year-old great-grandmother Carmelita Kayser was called an angel by loved ones. She was devoted to her family, friends, and loved her church and spent her time volunteering and helping others. On Easter Sunday, 2013, Carmelita came face-to-face with the devil in the guise of two career criminals who had no value for human life. Why did this case not make the national news with protests, rallies, and a catchphrase? Why does no one stand up for the angels? Carmelita Kayser was born in 1921 in Missouri. She was married to Leroy Kayser for over 60 years. They sometimes lived in Texas, sometimes in Missouri, and eventually they would settle in Moberly, Missouri. Now in 2013, Carmelita was a widow. Even at 92, she was active in her church. She would even still drive herself to church no matter the weather, even when her children asked her not to drive. She had five children, 14 grandchildren, and 28 great-grandchildren. She lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath home, less than 900 square feet, small but perfect for her. It was located at 401 Moorhead Street in Moberly, Missouri. It was far from fancy. She was never one for expensive things. Her home and her life were simple. Her hair was a soft, cottony white. Oval, wire-framed glasses encircled kind eyes and a soft face. Carmelita was just your average, next-door neighbor who loved life, family, and her God. It's no cliché to say Carmelita Kayser was, just as people said, an angel. Jeffrey J. Nichols was a 22-year-old, lanky white male who wore his hair close-cropped. Both of his parents were addicts, bouncing in and out of the homeless shelter with their son in tow. Jeffrey would be taken away from them due to his mother's abuse, and he was placed in a foster care system. He would be adopted by a good family, but Jeffrey stayed in legal trouble. Christopher DeMond Lewis was 18, a dark-skinned black male. He wore his hair close-cropped. He was a big man, hulking, and not much is known of him, except he had a habit named drug abuse, and he was unafraid to commit a crime to feed it. Both of these young men, you could say, could be the devil himself. On Easter Sunday of 2013, Carmelita Kayser, Jeffrey Nichols, and Christopher Lewis were about to meet.
It's March 31, 2013. Jeffrey Nichols was on parole for second-degree burglary. Just two days ago, he had been released on bond from another unrelated crime. He had just hit the streets hour before. He was walking with his pal, Christopher Lewis. One of them was carrying a gun. They were both caught on Walmart store surveillance video. They had shoplifted a machete-type knife. Police had been called, but the thieves were not apprehended. Later the same day, police received a call to a vehicle fire. Then there was another report of two gunshot victims whose vehicles were stolen. The vehicle in the fire is identified as belonging to a Carmelita Kayser of Moberly. And here is where we continue the case. Now we arrive with the officers at Carmelita's home, 401 Moorhead Street. It's a small white home with a patch of grass front yard. It's a quaint neighborhood with homes built in the early 1900s and refurbished over the years. People take pride in their homes here. The front door to Carmelita's house is open. Officers can see the inside of the home. It's a wreck. Various items inside the residence have been thrown to the ground. Things are broken. Furniture has been moved. Burglary, obviously. Maybe. But where is 92-year-old Carmelita Kayser? Easing through the front door, stepping around broken items, moving cautiously around the furniture, careful, careful steps. Watch the corners. It's a tight fit. The officers find her. Carmelita lies dead on the floor of her home. Her throat has been slashed. She was beaten savagely, and she has been shot dead. The 92-year-old great-grandmother will never again sing a beloved church hymn, cuddle a grandchild, or volunteer to help others in need. Instead, she lies dead in a pool of her own blood. Jeffrey Nichols and Christopher Lewis were arrested at a Macon home in Missouri at approximately 10 a.m. that next morning, April 1st. After many hours of interrogation, the story unfolded when the perpetrators told their stories. Nichols and Lewis would later admit they were robbing houses to obtain money for drugs. Part of the evidence was Carmelita's blood on Nichols' shirt sleeves. And this is how the murder happened, according to the two men. Carmelita Kayser was reading her Bible in her favorite chair after an Easter holiday spent with her loved ones. It must have felt cozy and peaceful in her home. She was reading God's Word when the devil came in in the guise of Jeffrey Nichols and Christopher Lewis. They demanded she give them her car keys. How her heart must have pounded. Carmelita, absolutely defenseless, probably did as they demanded. Still, they beat the small woman to the ground with their pistol. According to court documents and one of the murderer's admissions, they slashed Miss Kayser in the neck with a machete-type knife shoplifted just hours before. Then they beat her with the butt of the pistol. Thinking her dead, they ransacked the little house looking for anything of value. Carmelita Kayser 
now dying in her own blood, somehow began to moan. One of the perpetrators produced the pistol, pointed it at her, and squeezed the trigger. Now, the two men agreed, she was dead. And that's how law enforcement found her. This is where you wonder how cops keep from shedding tears. Understand how, when alone, they must sob for the defenseless victims. The case made the local news in Missouri with heavy coverage about the perpetrators in the trial and less information about the victim. Except for her obituary and information released at later memorials by family, reporters just didn't seem to care to introduce Carmelita Kayser's angelic ways to the readers. She just became, quote, the victim, end quote. No one was protesting in the street, waving signs with angry messages. No special interest groups were demanding, arguing, or banging down the doors of legislation about crimes against the elderly or screaming into news cameras about justice for a 92-year-old woman. Several people came forward to say they notified the local parole board to tell somebody how Jeffrey Nichols was violating his parole, and this was prior to this Easter tragedy. Their warnings had been overlooked or maybe ignored. Later, the Board of Parole would respond by saying that department was so understaffed and underfunded it could only do so much with what resources it had. By the time the words, end of report, was typed, the departments involved in solving the murder of Carmelita would be the Moberly Police Department, Randolph County Sheriff's Office, Missouri State Highway Patrol, Cheriton County Sheriff's Office, Huntsville Police Department, and Macon Police Department. So now we are going to the courtroom at the Randolph County Courthouse in Huntsville, Missouri. Charges against the two killers were filed in late April and included robbery, assault, theft, and tampering with a motor vehicle. Christopher Lewis bypassed a trial and accepted a plea bargain. He was escaping the death penalty. In 2016, Judge Kevin Crane sentenced Christopher Lewis to life in prison for the murder charge, along with three consecutive 30-year sentences for the other crimes. Lewis made a statement at the sentencing hearing. He added there are, quote, no words, quote, to express his remorse and that death is, quote, what I deserve, end quote. Prosecutors sought the death penalty for Nichols. Nichols went to trial. The trial went to court in June 2018. It was a battle, as all trials are, and the end result made some believe in a system of justice. But it broke the hearts of others. Finally, the jury walked out to deliberate. You could feel the tension of the people waiting in the courtroom at the Randolph County Courthouse. It took the jury eight hours to deliberate the case. Finally, the jury was in. Nichols was convicted of first-degree murder and Carmelita's death and 16 other crimes. He was acquitted on one count of robbery in the first degree. Parties took the stand on his behalf to argue for and against 
Jeffrey Nichols' life. His father testified, Jeffrey Nichols, the product of the foster care system, was adopted, his father explained. Nichols was given what his father explained as a good Christian home, but turned to drugs. In and out of rehab, Jeffrey began burglarizing homes for drug money. It landed him in prison. And this is why Nichols was on parole when he entered Carmelita Kayser's house. Others discussed Nichols' bad childhood, his drug addiction, his mental health issues, his abuse by his blood parents. He was not born a devil. 27-year-old Jeffrey Nichols was sentenced to five back-to-back life sentences. The jury did not vote for the death sentence. To the court, Nichols said, quote, there are no words, end quote, to express how sorry he was for the murder. Death is what I deserve, he said. I don't hate you for seeking the death penalty against me. He turned to the surviving victims. I hope that I can shake your hands at the end when God comes. But Carmelita's daughter would not accept Nichols' words. She said, I have not changed my opinion on what should have been the punishment. She spoke in her victim's impact statement. My mother believed in capital punishment. I believe in capital punishment, even though we are Christian. Even though you are going to be jailed for the rest of your life, it's not enough. She added, I realize you've had a hard life. You can't really say that's an excuse all the time. But really, no one wins. Carmelita Kayser is now an angel in heaven, her loved ones say, and the devils will be behind bars the rest of their lives. All these families are forever tainted because the angel met the devils on an Easter Sunday. In a study by the Department of Justice on elderly victimization, it was discovered researchers have identified the elderly population as being more vulnerable to crime than any other age groups. People over 65 are most susceptible to burglary, robbery, and fraud. Studies conducted by the Consumer Law Center reveal that fraudulent telemarketers direct anywhere from 56% to nearly 80% of their calls at older customers. And studies by the CDC indicate crime has risen. And as the over 65 population continues to grow, so do the crimes against this population. Crimes against older individuals placed in extended care facilities are most likely physical abuse, theft of personal items, and defrauding by staff members. So where were the banners, the movements, the shouting in the streets, and catchphrases for Carmelita Kayser or older victims? What happened to the activists, the government leaders, the media who stand up for other causes when a certain group of people are targeted in crime or assumed targeted? Carmelita Kayser was not a drug dealer, a suspect stopped by a cop who resisted arrest, who should have done what an officer ordered, who became a symbolic martyr. She was a 92-year-old great-grandmother who was murdered by two criminals in a horrific attack. They slashed her and beat her for a car they abandoned almost instantly. No one painted a mural of her on a building, named a street after her, or marched to demand better treatment for our elderly. 
No one took to lobbying for tighter control of parolees and a better system to keep dangerous people off the streets. Instead, they read the story of Carmelita's murder, told one another how sad it all was, and then forgot about it. When are we going to stand up for the angels? If you or someone you know has been a victim of elder fraud, help is standing by at the National Elder Fraud Hotline. Please call 833-372-8311. That's the National Elder Fraud Hotline at 1-833-372-8311. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I would like it very much if you subscribed and be careful out there. Thank you for listening to Best True Crime Podcast. We are a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Every episode is a journey where I take you to explore crime, forensics, and historical cases. Join me next episode as I inform, educate, and entertain true crime enthusiasts through criminal justice and dark history tours. My name is Judith A. Yates. I am an award-winning author, a criminologist, and paranormal explorer. I hope you subscribe, and please stop by my website and check out my books and the games created by my team at www.truecrimebook.net.